Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Everyone needs to unload to someone who's unbiased and who isn't judging. So visit BetterHelp.com Milkshake and unload the stress. Welcome to Metaphysical Milkshake, the show where we go deep, we get weird, and we search for the meaning of life along the way. Presented by Cast Media and Soul Pancake. Hey, I'm Rain Wilson. And I'm Reza Aslan. And Reza, what do you think happens when we die? I know what happens. We become part of the vital, all-knowing, all-seeing essence of the universe. Seriously? No, dude, I have no idea. I don't know what I'm talking okay. about. Phew. Okay, so seriously, what what do you think happens when we die, Rain? Well, okay, I, I'm sorry to give a boring answer, but I'm a member of a religious faith. I'm a member of the Baha'i faith, and I pretty much ascribe to that. Now, that the my faith doesn't give you any concrete answers, but I believe that the divine essence part of myself moves on past this material realm into some other plane of existence that is based far less on the ego and far more on love. And it's uh, uh, moving into kingdoms ever approaching the divine consciousness. I know that What that does it look vague. like, though? What is it? I mean, what, what's it? Is, Paisley, it a, is it a place? Paisley. Paisley. Okay. Um, <laughs> flowers. <laughs> smells like honey chamomile mm-hmm. rooibos tea mm-hmm. um i have no i have no idea i have no idea you know i was fortunate to grow up in uh in a belief system that doesn't really believe in in heaven and hell so i haven't had to wrestle with that um you had to wrestle with heaven and hell oh, i'm sure yeah. no it was all about heaven and hell and this is precisely why I wanted to have as our guest uh, on this week's pod, uh, the great Rob Bell. Rob Bell has been a friend of mine for a really long time. Um, For people who are unfamiliar with him, he is a white evangelical Christian, a former pastor. In fact, he founded a church called Mars Hill, which is to this day one of the largest churches in America. He, he, He was a mega church pastor. That's who he was. Um, And he's young and he's cool and he like plays music and he surfs and like, you know, he's one of those like cool, like punk rock Christian pastors. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like the cool, cool kids pastor. And then in the midst of all this massive success, right? People are writing articles about him. He's, you know, the face of American Mm -hmm. Christianity. Mm He has a kind of a bit of a spiritual breakdown himself because he starts thinking about precisely what we're saying, right? This idea of like, 
a heavenly reward or eternal punishment. And hell especially just doesn't make any sense to him. You know, it, 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 it's so is not in line with what he believes God is mm. um, and, and what God represents mm-hmm. that he starts to question it. And those questions become doubts and those doubts become a very famous book he wrote called Love Wins, which basically says, hey, I don't think there's a hell. And what, what, how do you think people responded I think to that, they right? probably loved it. I they think were they probably high-fived they him. They high-fived him and, and uh, they hugged him. Shifted the entire kind of theology of yeah. evangelicalism. Uh, what's the opposite of that? Oh, whatever the opposite is, <laughs> yeah, whatever, then that's what happened. Whatever, okay, yeah. 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 He was branded a blasphemer, a heretic. The church that he himself founded— Kicked and him out. Kicked him out. That church is still going, but without him. Um, and he sort of became— this kind of heretic Christian, but he would not give it up. And to this day now, you know, he's, of course, he's written many, many more books besides Love Wins. He wrote um, what we talk about when we talk about God. His most recent book is called What is the Bible? Um, he hosts his own uh, podcast called The Robcast, which is this weekly conversation about faith and spirituality. He travels the world bringing this message of a real Christ-centered evangelical believers quest, but one that says, look, this can't all be about, you know, reward and punishment, heaven or hell. And in doing so, I think he's bigger now than he ever was as as a pastor. And so when we wanted to talk about what happens, what happens after we die? Is there a heaven? Is there a hell? Who better to go to than an evangelical who surfs? You had me at (laughs) A pastor who surfs. Rob Bell, welcome to the show. Uh, My name is Rob Bell. I've been making things for a while. Books, short films, events, tours. And 2,000. Robcast episodes. (laughs) Not that many. (laughs) But uh, that's what I've been doing for a while. And I'm so glad to be with you all. And you've been making uh, kind of alterna Christians very happy. (laughs) <laughs> mm. I never that, heard. I've never heard that phrase. I just, I just That's a phrase. It. You can use it. It's yours. PM. Is that a thing? So, Rob Bell, you know, we're here to talk about uh, life after death, heaven and hell, and everything in between. Okay, you are walking across Riverside Drive, right out front of this podcast studio. You get hit by a bus. Talk me through what happens. Where do you go? And what happens to you? I'm so glad you asked me to speculate, <laughs> as people have been doing for thousands of years. My, I would assume I'm not in my body, because okay. I assume my body's in the middle of the street. Yeah, okay. your body is pancake. So whatever's happened, I am disembodied. Yes. Secondly, word. we now know in a disembodied state, like from quantum physics, you have Einstein, who immediately was, who was the first to be like, hey, wait, time is fairly bendy. This past, mm-hmm. present, future is actually a construct um, and that there's some sort of eternal now that undergirds our conceptions of time. So I would assume that I am in some way free from this thing that we're all in right now, which puts everything in terms of past, present, future. So you think about past, regret, future, mm-hmm. worry. You think about how much angst, how many calories we burn just because of being split. I'm here, but I'm not here. This person, they were talking to me, but I felt like they were somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I'll be with you in spirit. You think about how much. So I would assume I am in some level free from that. The best, the best uh, analogy that I have heard of what you're describing 
is um, a simple matter of perspective, right? If you think of time as a line that you are walking, yeah. it's a road that you're walking. So you're in the present. The road in front of you is the future. The road behind you is the past. Now imagine you suddenly sprout wings and you fly 50 feet up. Yes. You see the entirety of the road at once. Yes. Or an 18th century mathematician named Edwin Abbott did a whole series of images about, think about your life like a pen, past, present, future, like a linear. Um, but then what if you were to set the pen down on a desk, which is a flat plane, mm -hmm. and that most of our conceptions of time involve, like you think of a beginning, middle, like a pencil or something, mm -hmm. but perhaps time is more of a plane. It could be an orb. I so, just want to say mine was better. Right? Can we all agree? This was better than that stupid I mathematician like, that from guy. the Middle Ages. He's dead. Guy, right. He's dead. Who knows where he is now? Right. Right. <laughs> okay. So step one. Step uh, one. Time ceases to have any okay, kind of so let's, linear but let's meeting. go. Let's okay. take this, let's take See, this I, a little slower. So, great. So you're floating above the bus. Your body, you're disembodied. All of a sudden, your time is like amorphous. Like, what are you, Rob, going to do? Because I know, like, if it was me... I'd be like, oh, this is so cool. Before I like, quote unquote, go anywhere or uh, have some kind of different plane kind yeah, of right, existence, right, right. I want to like dabble around in this time thing a little right. bit. Let's mm -hmm. go visit me when I was three and see mm -hmm. what that was like. Would our something? first impulse be like a like a, a reverence and awe, just a, <gasps> or would yeah. our first reverence be where are the buttons? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> right, right, where are the? Let's go play but, with this because I immediately okay. my dad's dad died when he was eight. So my dad's dad was sort of a, a presence and absence growing up. And my dad's brother died when he was 16. So there are these two large figures in my life I've never met. Mm. But mm. they're a presence and absence. Um, in the mm. same way that there can be somebody in your life who's here, but they're not here. Right. They're actually here bodily. Yeah. But you'd like a... Uh, sometimes a sibling or a yeah. coworker. Who I, you, I feel that way about every... Rain all the time. <laughs> Come on. Like, are you so here, Rain? Are you I, have, I was going to say my parents who are here, but not here. <laughs> so I have instant questions like, I, like there are people I have questions for. <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah. uh, so there's so people there's people on the other on the quote unquote the other there's side. There's a sort of the hallmark reunion. Oh, all the people who went before you who are gone, who left too early. You get to hug them, and beautiful music plays, and tell me about. But there's also, no, what was that about? Because mm. I lived with those decisions you made. Or what was that thing that was in the DNA bloodstream, the family tree? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how much, which leads me to a third point. I uh, I wonder how much of what would be, would most strike us would be a sense of disclosure and, revel and revealing. Tell me more. What do you mean? That thing that happens when you see what had been previously hidden and suddenly it's brought out. Oh, I see. I wonder <laughs> if how much of a disembodied post, past, present, future involves some disclosure of your own self, the way the world works. I Do wonder. You mean disclosure of your own self, like answering for your sins, quote unquote, like some kind of like. Oh, I think the great mysteries at the heart of why we do what we do. Mm -hmm. um, that period of my life, I kind of understand what was going in play mm -hmm. there. Um, that relationship, which to this day, when I think about it, it was just funky. I know something else. A friend of mine, his girlfriend just left him, and he knows there's something else going on. Mm. But there, he can't get anything out of her. But so, he just knows. So exploring all those so little I mysteries. So I wonder... Yeah, I wonder how much of that disclosure you see 
your life, you see, I mean, think about therapy or psychedelic experiences, how often what it's, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. it's almost like the, there's some sort of Doors veil of that pulls a bit yeah. and you go, oh, that was what was in play there. I like, I like this idea that like, I finally will know um, how many of my girlfriends cheated on me <laughs> and when. <laughs> Which leads me to a fourth. Um, I wonder if there is something in that state that you are able to see, like right now, if you find out how many of your girlfriends are, that will involve probably your heart, right. your emotions, your anxiety. I wonder if somehow you're able to see with some lens of grace or unconditional, this is, it just is, that you can see it and it doesn't amp up all of your stress levels. You're just able to go... Okay, I'm really glad that you brought that up because what I really want to do is actually slow this down even a little bit more. What you said is, first of all, really fantastically mind-blowing, right? Time ceases to exist. But if time ceases to exist as a... Uh, as a linear yeah. experience, right, and it, it sort of bends and curves in on itself, then you have a very good point, which is that the emotional investment that we have in cause and effect, which is so much a part yeah, of yeah, right. how we experience things, how we define them, um, how we react to them at, at a deep emotional level. If cause and effect no longer apply, then I could see how those emotions don't apply anymore. That it's like, oh, yes, I, I can literally see my girlfriends cheating on me. But but because it doesn't have a cause and effect aspect to it, I don't have the same emotional response to it. But I would go one step further. And the question here becomes, does that spirit, the disembodied self, yeah. and I want to actually go back even further and talk about that right because <laughs> right. there's that right the you know the ghost in the machine the, yeah the, yeah the the mind body dualism and all that stuff um does that spirit disembodied have desire will intention personality well how can it if if ego is so attached to our animal natures like right, right. i have my wife and i have pigs we keep them in the front yard they run around these pigs have egos like they get <laughs> They really like yeah, they get yeah. their feelings hurt mm-hmm. and they want their cookies when they want it. And if you're eating and you don't share it, they make this noise like, why won't you share your food with me? Like you you see these kind of like animal ego stuff happening in these pigs. But if in that moment of disembodiment, I love that word, like what if kind of what we know as Freudian ego wants, desires, baser needs – uh, something I want something for myself, um, and if those things evaporate, and what we're left with is some kind of just divinity, um, you're right. Then what 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 happens next in that right, process? Right, right. You're floating above the bus without well, an ego-driven kind of process. Hey, folks, has more time at home put you in the mood for some upgrades? Perfect timing because Brooklinen's biggest sale of the year is coming this weekend, which means you can get your interior refresh at some really great prices. Brooklinen's comfort game is unmatched and their lineup keeps getting better. Five-star sheets were just the start. And their collection of cozy must-haves now include everything from dreamy decor to their newly launched 
Slippers. I didn't know they had slippers. They got slippers, Reza. You know, Ren, you know this about me. The only reason I do this podcast is for the free stuff. Sure. But I use my Brooklyn in sheets all the time. I've got them on my bed right now. They're, they're fantastic. I took a pair of scissors. I cut up the Brooklyn in sheets and I fashioned them into under, undergarments, which I'm currently wearing under my garments. Okay. Well, that's why they're called undergarments. I'm going to marry my Brooklyn in sheets. All right, I'm going to have a family with my Brooklyn in sheets. Folks, listen, don't miss out. Brooklinen's biggest sale of the year starts this weekend. Listening after the sale? Well, you know what? You can still save. Visit brooklinen.com and use promo code MILKSHAKE for $20 off with a minimum purchase of $100. That's brooklinen, B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com, promo code MILKSHAKE. Hey, Rain, uh... You may remember a very, very long, long time ago when you weren't rich and famous, right? I can't even remember that. I know. It's hard to remember. But there was a time when you actually cared about your checking balance and you cared about overdraft fees. Dude, I got killed on overdraft fees all through my 30s and 40s, frankly. Oh, if only you had Chime back, Dan. Chime is this award-winning app. It's also a debit card. It has saved its members more than $10 billion in overdraft fees with SpotMe fee-free overdraft. Eligible members can overdraft up to $200 on debit card purchases and cash withdrawals with absolutely no fees. Folks, you deserve to have financial peace of mind. So join the millions of Americans already loving Chime. Sign up takes only two minutes and doesn't affect your credit score. Get started today. You can go to chime.com slash milkshake. That's chime, C-H-I-M-E dot com slash milkshake. And then this is the part where we read really, really fast. Go rain. Banking services provided by and debit card issued by the Bancorp Bank or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements apply. Overdraft only applies to debit card purchases and cash withdrawals. Limits start at $20 and may be increased up to $200 by Chime. Chime member overdraft fee savings based on eligible members' use of SpotMe versus $33 average overdraft fee. Overdraft fee data based on bank rate checking account survey and CRL June 2020 overdraft fees report. Well, what's interesting in the Jewish, into the Jesus tradition, you always have, it always comes back to this idea of a new heaven, a new earth, a mm -hmm. reconciliation of body, soul, spirit, everything being put back together. Right. Partly because it never has its landing point, point as disembodied. Yeah, because- and The also, landing point is always integration. So yeah. body is good. Soil, sexy, sweaty, all the yep. stuff, pigs- is all central to the experience. Yeah, and from a psychological perspective, by the way, it's important to understand that the notion of bodily resurrection, which, as you rightly say, it has such a deep um, religious and theological backing behind it, has everything to do with the fact that we as human beings are incapable of conscious awareness of disembodied experience. Like we we are our bodies. And so it's only natural that if we think about um, post-life, we think about it in our bodies. Yeah. Right. So, OK, that's but, why when you, but like, that's not how I, we think about it. If right? I, when I leave here and get hit by the bus and yeah. and if I were to speculate, I assume my body's in the street. Right. And I would speculate that I'm I'm not bound by it like I was okay. previously. Right. Like when you're in a room with somebody who's dying. Yes. That sense that they are here, but not here. Mm -hmm. They're mm -hmm. like taking their last breaths 
but the thing that made them them isn't in the room right. anymore. So I just had a number of those experiences in my early years as a pastor where I was like, their body's right here, and yet something is leaving, has left, is... Um, so I don't know what that is or how that gets reconciled or even where they went. Or And, and as a pastor, I saw stuff that was so strange. Yeah. People laying there in the bed. Uh, I remember my first job, uh, there was a woman who her family gathered around the hospital bed. She's taking her last few breaths. And then having not been communicative at all, sits up in the bed, looks up above their heads, sort of at the ceiling, opens up her arms, smiles, and then lays back down and wow. takes her last breath. So I don't even know where you put yeah. any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just going to keep adding the disclaimer of the mystery of all yes, of this of speculation. All, we're all speculating. Uh, I just saw such odd stuff about uh, essence might be a word. Yeah. Soul. Um, My favorite phrase is um, vital essence. Um, oh, there you go. Because it's not anachronistic. Soul is such a new idea. But the belief that we are more than our physical bodies, yeah. that predates Homo sapiens. We, we find that belief system in Neanderthals. We have found that belief system in the evidence that we have collected from uh, Cro-Magnon. So before Homo sapiens existed, belief in... Right. Let, um, let's just use the word soul and... All agreeing that the word soul is just a or word something to that's represent. real, but right. I can't hold it in my hand. And like I'm, I can hold things that are real. I'm gonna blow you. I'm gonna blow your mind in a little bit more here. Justin Barrett, uh, very brilliant cognitive um, psychologist that used to teach at Fuller, actually not too far from here. He has done an enormous amount of research on concepts of the soul. Um, what he does is he takes kids, uh, usually like I think under five or something like that. And he has surveyed children from every part of the world, children who have grown up in religious households, children who have grown up in atheist households, uh, you know, uh, like I said, from all, all corners, every culture. And what he has found is near unanimity in the belief in what is referred to in psychological terms as substance dualism, the belief that the, the body and the mind, and you can replace the word mind with soul, you can replace it with vital essence, you can call it prana, you can call it Buddha nature, you can call it chi, you can call it whatever you want to call it. The other thing that Chad. is us, the re <laughs> Chad, you can call it Chad, <laughs> um, that the body and mind are separate and distinct. It is a belief that we are born with. In other words, it is a belief that you need to unlearn. So... There's an enormous amount of conversation right now in, in cognitive science about why, like, why are we born with this belief? But there is no debate that we are born with this belief. The theory that uh, sort of comes closest to making sense is a theory that's developed by a man whose name I've completely forgotten. But anyway, the theory is, is this. Because we are consciously incapable of imagining lack of consciousness, we have necessarily developed a mechanism that keeps us from even considering lack of consciousness, that the idea of that um, there, there can be a moment in which we cease to exist, that concept is impossible for the material mind 
to envision, and so therefore the material mind necessarily creates this idea of a vital essence that continues. It's okay. It's a pretty good theory. It's you know it's unprovable. I mean maybe it's I would. But isn't and, it isn't it just as simple as like when I'm a kid. I can feel myself like in my body, sweating, my shoulder hurts, I have a mosquito bite on my elbow, and I can be thinking about something else, and I can have a feeling, and I can be humming a song, and I just have a different experience in the world of my consciousness than I have in the world of my body. It's it's related. I can feel it literally related to my body, but not just of my body necessarily. I mean, there's a there, there's a dialect there's like a ba back and forth between these are two different things and they are somehow integrated. Mm -hmm. We're having this conversation, so we could each right now uh, observe ourselves having this conversation. Mm -hmm. But then there is uh, the me that could observe me having this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and then there is the me observing me, observing the observer, observing right. the observer. However far I step back, there's always some sense. That there's some that part of me that could that step back that. And observe that. So yeah. in some ways, the human experience has been there's something about me that can infinitely step back. Among the many reasons why belief in the soul is universal, let's add to those many reasons because there's a soul. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? You're just out and saying it. Let's just, yep. you know, fine. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying I know there's a soul. I'm just saying if... One of the reasons is because we're incapable of consciously uh, conceiving of, of unconsciousness or if the other reason is, well, because because of, of our uh, ability to envision ourselves, blah, blah. Envisioning okay, ourselves, right. envisioning ourselves. Sure, sure. OK. Also, maybe there's a soul. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and go. then you think about uh, so-and-so is an old soul, mm. which was a way of saying um, or there is something about their vital essence that is slightly... Uh, ahead, above there, this is a 13-year-old kid, but the kid just said to me, we all walk with a limp, don't we? Or something. <laughs> yeah. You're like, wait, wait, wait. Well, okay, there's something <laughs> yeah. about, right. there's something about this kid in which their physical bodily thing and what appears to be their vital essence don't aren't a perfect match. Right. They, they seem to be, right. or you think about the soul singer and the soul singer gives expression to something that we all go, I know yeah, that. Yeah, we resonate. Oh, yes. So this yes. this woman is singing an old slave spiritual, uh -huh. which is not, an ex and yet I know what she's talking about. Mm -hmm. Something mm -hmm. within me mm -hmm. feels a solidarity that cuts across uh, sociopolitical, economic, everything. It's just mm -hmm. there's something she's articulating that is a universal human experience that cuts across the whole thing. We have all these ways to articulate this sense of there's something present. Okay, so yeah, so you're now you're pure substance, no form. Vital essence. Your vital <laughs> essence. You're looking down at your flattened body. Uh, I still, you, my body is in the street. I just have to keep know, coming back to yeah, I have a body, in, have the a body in the street. You, you're instantly aware of every asshole who has cheated on you. <laughs> and you and you don't care. We've talked about that. You're like, eh, you know, okay. Uh, you now care, what? but your care takes place within some larger right context scope. Yeah. Okay. Now okay. what? Now let's move forward. God, see, just making a guy speculate. <laughs> this is grinds Do against. Do it. This goes totally against. Uh, first off, 
I think there's a, there's a paradox between knowing and unknowing that never goes away. So sometimes when people talk about when you die, then you know everything, which to me, parentheses, boredom. Mm. So uh, words like exploration come to mind because there's so much to each of us, our family tree alone. Mm fascinating all of the sliding doors of i could have gone this way or i could have gone that way sure life went that way all of the random weird things that happened and the car hit that car and then you were late for the thing but if that car mm -hmm. hadn't come and that and so all the chain of events so there's endless things you could explore about your own instant knowledge yeah so i there's instant endless exploration you could do mm -hmm. but i would assume it also takes place within vast unknowing mm. oh well, think about science we like just had a whole new sphere we just we just had our first picture on the front page of New York Times a couple months ago of the first black hole. First black hole, yeah. So what, what our experience here in these bodies, not disembodied, is that every thing, every explanation merely moves the mystery down a layer mm -hmm. at some level. Mm -hmm. Now we have a picture of a black hole. Done. No. <laughs> now we have a picture of a black hole. So there's something about the experience mm -hmm. here where every time we learn a new thing, genome mapping, etc. Now we have a whole new set of questions, and those scientists go out and get grants because it opened up. Yeah, what about dark matter and dark energy? <laughs> right. Come on. And what's that? 96% of the universe is dark matter and dark energy. And what we know is that 4% of the universe is known matter. But what we also are told in the same breath is, by the way, that 96% is somehow necessary and integral mm -hmm. for this universe to be a universe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that's that's an answer. Yeah. But it immediately does a whole other thing. So my assumption is that there's something kicking in like that. So I'm really fascinated by what you're talking about in this idea of knowledge, awareness, the sort of sense of mystery. But it, it does have, to me, again, this kind of uh, elemental problem, which is I tend to associate those things with desire with will and indeed with personality. Yeah. Like in other words, absolutely. Reza absolutely. Aslan, I'm a I'm a curious individual. Like if you told me, oh, an instant after death, I will be outside of time and space and will have access to all knowledge. Reza Aslan's like, woohoo! That's like I that's awesome. I want to know all of that. Yes. But did you hear what I just said? I said I want. I want. Yeah. Well you said I First of all, I said I. And then you said want. <laughs> and I said want. So let's bear down on those two things. And dear listeners, no, we did not ingest a bunch of pot brownies before this conversation. <laughs> they haven't they haven't hit yet. Um, number one, is that thing an I? Number two, does that thing have desire or personality or or anything? Um I think so. I think that's central to being. I think that's central to being who you are. Uh, okay, desire. It sounds like you're using it with a neg like a negative thing, but there's also the sense in which your desires have been good for the world. Mm -hmm. So I wonder, at some level, do they become reconciled? Because um, that's what we all want. We have this will and energy and mm -hmm. fire within us and, and almost the path to maturity this side of the getting hit by the bus is somehow learning how to direct those fires to focus that to harness that to yeah. turn that i want into you know what's, what's interesting something is... good for the world not the constant battle of i want a bunch of stuff that's going to 
crush me and right. Yeah. So we have higher wants and baser yeah, yeah, wants. Yeah, right, right. Uh, okay. This is fascinating because you you are very much saying that that vital essence is the core of who you are outside of this meat bag that it that it yeah. sits in. And so maybe not desire in the way that you that you're talking about it, though I will just kind of remind everybody that the Buddha said that all desire is the source of suffering, whether you're desiring something good or something bad, just the very notion of wanting is the source of all suffering. But he's dead. Which is also where all the fun you know. is. is. Wouldn't you want to desire <laughs> it's also to where know all the more? There are no fun but Buddhists. The Buddhists are all just <laughs> not very fun at all. <laughs> So, Rain, have you heard about this thing, StoryWorth? It's uh, it's this online service. It helps you and your loved ones preserve precious memories and, and the stories that they have for years to come. It's like this thoughtful, meaningful gift that connects you to those who matter most. I just got this for my mother-in-law. This is how it works. Every week, StoryWorth emails your relative or friend, uh, or in my case, your mother-in-law, uh, it sends them uh, some kind of thought-provoking question, you know, and you get to choose the question too. There's a whole vast pool of possible options, but then each of these unique prompts asks some kind of question that you yourself never thought to ask. Questions like, what's the bravest thing you've ever done in your life? Or if you could see into the future, what would you want to find out? And then after a year, StoryWorth compiles all of your loved one's stories, including photos, into like this beautiful keepsake book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. It's like a mini documentary of a person, of their of their memories and who they are, their thoughts, their their stories. What a fantastic gift idea. I'm going to absolutely dig into this uh, for my stepdad. With StoryWorth, I'm giving those people that I love the most a thoughtful, personal gift from the heart, and I'm preserving their memories and stories for years to come. If you're looking for a great gift for that loved one, StoryWorth is the place to go. And we got a deal for you. Go to storyworth.com slash milkshake and you'll save 10 bucks on your first purchase. I did. That's exactly what I did. That's storyworth.com slash milkshake and you'll get 10 bucks off your first purchase. Your loved one will thank you for it. Storyworth.com slash milkshake. Hey folks, good health starts with good habits and Quip makes it easy by delivering all the oral care essentials you need to care for your mouth. The Quip electric toothbrush is loved by over 7 million mouths. Now wait, is that one toothbrush that was used by 7 million mouths? No. Or does that mean that it was 7 million toothbrushes? It has timed sonic vibrations with 30 second pulses to guide a dentist recommended two minute clean. Already on top of your brushing, you can upgrade your Quip with a new smart motor to track and improve your brushing with the free Quip app. And you can even earn amazing rewards like free refills, products, Target gift cards, and more. So beyond the brush, Quip has everything you need to build a complete routine. With stylish and affordable electric brushes starting at just $25, you won't be paying through the teeth Hey-o. for better oral care. If you go to getquip.com milkshake right now, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com dot com slash milkshake. That's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash milkshake. Quip, the good habits company. Okay, continue. We're, we're, we're an instant past now. I, I think you are in possession of a profound recollection and remembrance of who you were 30 seconds earlier before you got hit by okay. the bus. Right. I, I think the unique 
the uniqueness of Reza is surprisingly intact. Hmm. Memory, uh, imagination, uh, passion. I would assume that these things are still with you at some level. Rain, do you um, believe that? Yeah, I do. I do. I think... Uh, if it's a vital essence, I it's got to be somewhat robust. So, uh, here's in the Baha'i uh, tradition, and I've brought this up before, there's a really beautiful metaphor. And it's only a metaphor. It's not reality. That metaphor is you're a baby in the womb. You're in a reality. You're alive, right? And you're having experiences. You're not having cognitive experiences necessarily, but you're developing your fingernails and your nose and your eyebrows and your elbows that you will need in the next world. You have no idea why you're developing mm -hmm. those things while you're in the womb and while you're in that state. That's one plane of existence. You move from that plane through a very traumatic birth. You're pushed through a little hole. You come out, you're crying, you're covered in goo, and you come out into another plane of existence. And at that point, you're not able then to kind of uh, dream up something like the Internet. You're just a you're you're a baby. You're you're you right. maybe are still right, right, half. Right. You're still half from that womb world. Right. So here we are in this world in the Baha'i tradition. We're developing our spiritual qualities in this world for use in some other plane of existence. So patience, kindness, humility, compassion, whatever, how, whatever kind of qualities of the divine that you want to ascribe we're trying to develop here we don't know exactly why we're developing them here but we have to admit it is kind of a perfect cauldron or anvil to be developing humility and compassion and patience and stuff like that and then we're going to take those with us uh to the next plane or realm or, or what have you and maybe this is just my own attachment to my sense of self but the idea that Somehow, when I die, that my vital essence then becomes just a drop in an ocean and I lose my individuality and that nothing I've experienced here um, over planet Earth over however many decades um, comes with me or matters or just disappears, memories, experiences. I can't get with that because it, it just doesn't. It doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I have a very limited consciousness, but it doesn't make any sense. What's then the purpose of this? I'm going to go, if there's a soul, then there's some kind of creator. And what's the purpose of this of this experience, this weird Petri dish of pain called planet Earth and humanity? And, you know, uh, if we just die and forget it all and lose our individual individuality and lose our consciousness and just enter into some kind of buddha state we become light you know i i don't get it why even have I think earth there, there, i think that there is an endless dance between the whole and the part between the individual and the larger unity you see that now so uh particles gather together and form atoms atoms was it 300,000 years into the life of the universe? Atoms begin to bond with other atoms. You begin to see molecules, molecules bond. You get cells. So what we see the whole thing has been unfolding for billions of years is these parts that make up holes. And if you lose any sense of the individualness of the parts, you lose something. But if you lose their belonging to the whole, you lose something. So there's something good about an individual. There's something good about these uniqueness. There's something good about these parts that make the whole. I would say this is, I think, maybe the second fork in the road in, in all this, right? The first fork in the road <laughs> in is... In Riverside is, Drive? Yes. The first fork in the road is 
am I just a meat puppet or right. is there a vital essence? So right, right, right. You get hit by the bus and it's all over. It's dark. And that's the okay, end of it. And we've come to the assumption there's a vital essence. Right. OK, so, so for, what's we, second we, we made a left. The second fork in the road is does that vital essence carry any trace of your self, ego, personality, whatever. Whatever makes However you you. you. Yeah, your unit. You. And Rob and I are arguing, very, yes. Yeah, and I am not so sure. My problem is this. I'm with you, Rob, and I love the way that you described it because I, to me it is it is uh, deeply grounded in what little we understand about the nature of reality, the foundation of the laws of science are, as we'd already kind of danced around, the conservation of energy in matter, the belief that everything that exists today has always existed and will always exist as long as the universe exists. That means that when you get hit by the bus, it ain't over. Like, not I don't mean theologically it ain't over. I mean scientifically matter, it ain't over. Over. In terms of matter and energy, it may be shaping form or exactly. particular shape, shape exactly. but it's a transfer, not an it's elimination. A it's a transference, not an elimination. That's the first rule of science. So let's start there. So, okay, so maybe the matter transfers in some way, but there's also energy, right? The energy also transfers. And so if I were to say, what is that vital essence that's now looking down outside of time and space at the body on the ground an instant later, I would say that that must be pure energy. But does it make sense to think? I mean, does it make logical, rational sense to think that that... Um, transference of energy carries with it even an echo of the personality, which, but again, after all, but, but, was a result of a lifetime of experiences. But, but answer my question, then what's the point of all of this? I don't know. I, I don't know. If, well, if, if, if okay. all of a sudden right, we're, a, right, we're right. a ball of energy without any memory or any attachment to the resonance of you or the rainness of me, then... What, what's the, why have I li- this I literally stage? don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's interesting. In string theory, they now say that for the universe to exist as is, there must be at least 11 dimensions. Right. So uh, height, width, depth, maybe time is a half dimension. Maybe we're at like a three and a half or four. Right. But you have with a straight face now, scientists saying, actually, for this thing to be what it is, we're going to have to have more dimensions, which now. I to- will just say string theory is utter nonsense and bullshit. <laughs> and. It's so funny, like when you really start to like people, people take string theory, scientists take string theory so seriously. And then when you ask them to explain where they came from, tiny vibrating strings. Yeah, they're like, uh, I don't know, same same way that I came up with the fact that Jesus is king. Like, it's literally there's no evidence to what you are saying. To vibrating strings, holding everything together, connecting everything. It's just a way to make sense of things that don't make sense. But anyway, keep going. Yes. Even the floating above looking down on the street. Something about the human experience, like for thousands of years, uh, appeasing the spirits of the ancestors, communing with the dead, the communion of the saints, the uh, I'll be with you in spirit, although I can't be. Something within us has some sense that our body is something happening within the larger phenomenon of who we are. Mm -hmm. So almost like this, whatever freedom and joy and kids and love and all of the greatness of this life, we still have a regular witnessing to something about its cramped. Something within us feels like we could push these walls. I mean, how many many videos on MTV when we were growing up, at the end of the video, the walls fall open and the band is playing on a big open field. (laughs) You know what I mean? 
Oh man, this is this is so good. This I don't want to so stop. We, we we can't stop. We can't stop. There's there's way more to say here, Reza. We need to make this a two-parter. Okay, let's do it. This guy's brilliant. Um, we haven't, uh, dear listener, even gotten into some of the meat of the stuff that we want to dig into. I've been wanting to talk to Rob. Like, let's get to Jesus. Where does Jesus play into all of this? It's great. Okay, there's physics and metaphysics and string theory and consciousness and stuff like that. But how do you rectify this in a, in a Christian worldview? Mm-hmm. So uh, I think a little bird told me we're going to get to some of that juicy stuff in the second half of the conversation. Dear listeners, as you know, we always end these conversations by reminding you to uh, go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and and, uh, rate and subscribe and also leave a comment. And in the comment section, ask your life's big question. And who knows, we might bring you on the show and, and you can ask us in person. And here with us today is a gentleman from Ontario, Canada, who has literally the most Canadian name I have ever heard in my entire life. Kurt Smiley. Kurt Smiley Hi there, guys. is the name you would give to a Canadian on a sketch show. I could think of more Canadian names. What about <laughs> like um, Gordon Maple? Do you know a Gordon Maple, Kurt? I do not, unfortunately, but I wish I did with that name. Kurt, it's great to have you uh, on the show. So uh, you, had a, you had a really fascinating question. It's a, a question on a topic that, uh, that Rain and I often chew on. Uh, hit us. Hit us with it. Okay, so my question for you guys is, with the invention of Instagram and all of our social media, have humans uh, developed an innate fear of being wrong and or learning from our past mistakes? See, that's a solid question right there. That's a deep one. I mean, I guess Reza, let me let me follow that with a follow up question. You're you're good at this one. Were humans ever good at being wrong? <laughs> Does the social media just amplify an inherent human trait, or is there something special about it? Has it unlocked some uh, enormous human character defect that was hitherto un- unexposed? See, I, I would say a little bit of both. Remember when we were kids and we would do something wrong and people would talk about how that's going to go on your permanent record. Like you, if you, if you do this, it'll go on your permanent record. And it was funny because there was no such thing as a permanent record. And now there is, it's called social media. It's your permanent fucking record. Right. I mean, I've made I've made jokes, as you know, Rain, on social media that seemed jokes that seemed, I don't know, funny and somewhat appropriate at the time. And I look back on it now and I think "Mm, maybe not so funny and not so appropriate, but too bad because it's there for eternity. That's right. I was actually at the center of a social media shitstorm. I made what I now consider to be a rashly gross and insensitive joke about rape. And I said, if I was ever raped, I would want it to be to whole lot of love by Led Zeppelin. Mm. And I could um, see that not working. (laughs) That didn't work. It didn't go over very well. Of course, all the bros and dudes loved it. But anyways, there was a shitstorm. There was this front page of the papers and USA Today and Yahoo. And there were articles written about Rain Wilson makes tasteless rape joke. But what it was, was 
that joke was right at the cusp at the end of when rape jokes were acceptable because there was a long period of time. In fact, if you watch sitcoms, you can watch like Friends and other sitcoms and they make rape jokes repeatedly because comedy writers make a lot of rape jokes. And I've been in comedy writer rooms and they're making rape jokes. Doesn't mean it's okay. That's just the way it was. But it was like my tweet was the cusp at which from then on, not okay to make it. And I completely understand why one doesn't make it. It's yeah. it's such a prevalent uh, social uh a horrendous thing that has happened to so many women and it's not something to take lightly at all, but it's interesting how there was this kind of cultural shift and my tweet was right at the center. Maybe I'm just being narcissistic, but it really was mm -hmm. that you can kind of say before the rape joke and after the rape joke kind of was uh, kind of hinged on my tweet. Here's my point about the whole uh, permanent record thing and why I brought it up is that, you know, we all, we all have, thoughts and ideas that, uh, jokes that seem right in the moment. And then later on, we're like, well, that wasn't very right. But you know, uh, what you shared them with a handful of people, big deal. They probably forgot about it anyway. There's no need for you to like go to those four people and say, Hey, remember how two weeks ago I thought that, uh, you know, whatever that, <laughs> that, uh, help me with a joke, Rain. I don't, I don't have a joke there. I thought that uh, uh, feces hats jokes were funny. Yes. And I'm going to apologize to those three people I said that to because I don't feel that that's the case anymore. I was wrong. I made a mistake. You don't need to do that. But when you post it to, you know, hundreds of thousands of people or in Rain's case, millions of people. And then you realize maybe you were wrong or that was, you know, poor wording or whatever. You have to admit to millions of people that you were wrong. You can't just like let it slide. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So there is something well, to this. I mean, yeah. I, in the early days of Twitter, no one really thought about it being on your permanent record. We just thought like, oh, this 10,000 people follow me and these are my fans and friends and we're just going to kind of like tweet shit at each other and talk shop and and give each other shit. And, mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. that we didn't know that years later, people would be sifting through them, looking and saying, this is, this is what this person, uh, person officially thinks and feels for the rest of time. Uh, we just, in the early days of Twitter, we didn't think of it that way, but I guess my point is that um, there are certain human tendencies that have always been there the tendency of the kind of lynch mob with the torches saying, burn, burn this person. Burn the witch. And then the tendencies of, you know, gossiping and backbiting. Um, the, and then the anonymity of social media and the rapidity of social media um, has exacerbated these worst, our worst human tendencies. And, um, and, and that's, and that's what has caused, uh, this inferno. The thing about Twitter, and, and this is, it took me a while to learn this <laughs> lesson is that not everybody needs to know every thought that goes through your head at any given moment. Yes. Okay. Yep. Um, sometimes just keep that shit to yourself. And right. the thing about Twitter is that it invites you to just kind of broadcast that every thought without, you know, without really thinking about it. And, and 
but it comes with consequences, right? <laughs> Whereas sure. like before social media, there, like I say, there wasn't really that many consequences. I mean, okay, so you offended two or three people. You just go and apologize to those two or three people. And also, by the way, speaking about apologizing on social media, at least on Twitter, what that usually means is deleting the tweet, which is way worse, way right. worse, I find. Right. Like, no matter how, what awful thing I said, I would much rather deal with the consequences of it <laughs> than delete it and then have to deal with the consequences of having deleted it. It's like, right. you know, to your pitchfork analogy, it's like walking out and being like, I'm the witch, come and get me. You know, you said the word broadcast, and that made me think there are a couple of things that social media fool us into believing. One is that we have friends because we get <laughs> likes and thumbs up and friends exactly. and followers. Exactly. They're not our friends. No, they're not our followers. No, they're not close to us. They don't necessarily like us or love us or care about us in the slightest. They're not friends. Okay. And it feels sometimes like a conversation. It feels like you can have a conversation, but it's not a conversation. A conversation is sitting across from someone eye to eye, breathing in the same room, listening and responding. That's a conversation. It is a broadcast. So it's broadcast, 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 broadcast. Mm -hmm. That's not talking. It's not conversation. It fools you into thinking this conversation. It fools you into thinking that they're your friends, but they are neither. So, so it's, um, it is the supreme uh, illusion of modern humanity. Listen, Kurt, thanks for the great question. Uh, and everyone, thanks for your wonderful feedback. Please leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts with your life's big question. And maybe we'll bring you on the show just like we did with Kurt. Kurt, go Argonauts. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Very much appreciated. You guys have a great afternoon. Folks, if you want to be like Kurt and join us here, you could uh, certainly go and, and rate and review. Ask us your life's big question. You can also find us on social at Reza Aslan and at Rain Wilson. We are on Twitter at Meta Milk Podcast and on Instagram at Metaphysical Milkshake. Let us know your life's big question. We just might explore them on a future episode. You never know. That's right. And uh, make sure to tune in next week for part two of this scintillating conversation. We're going to get to the juicy, meaty Jesus of it all. Mm -hmm. To be continued. Metaphysical Milkshake is executive produced by Rain Wilson, Reza Aslan, and Colin Thompson. It is produced by Safa Samazadeh Yazd, Eris Lane, Mick DeMaria, Hashem Self, and DJ Lubel. Cast Media is the production and distribution partner. It is edited by Tyler Newbold. It was additionally executive produced by Golriz Lucina and Dariush Rizuela Nothaft. It was produced by Amy S. Choi and Rebecca Lehrer of the Mashup Americans. Associate producers are Jocelyn Gonzalez, Lindsay Cradowell, Sarah Pellegrini, Mary Phillips Sandy, and Shelby Sandler. Don't you want to have podcasts in the next world? You know, <laughs> we can continue this conversation from a different perspective. As long as there aren't 30 episodes of it, but yes.
spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.